Leading a fashion business in today's ever-changing economic background takes a multitude of skills along with guts, instinct and energy. In the Industry.Fashion's In Conversation podcast, we talk to the people who are in possession of all of those qualities and more, including those who have set up their own businesses or those who have risen to the top of fashion businesses, large and small. We delve into the background of these leaders' careers, find out what drove them to success, what continues to motivate them, and what their ambitions are for the future. We also get their take on how they see the industry developing, along with their advice for those wishing to follow in their footsteps. Entrepreneur Satch Kukardia is perhaps best known for founding the UK's first flash sales website, Secret Sales, with his brother Nish in 2007, which they then sold in 2019 to Lifestyle Retail Group. He is now firmly focused on his latest venture, gold and platinum jewellery business 7879, which launched in November 2021. Having secured £5.5 million in seed funding in November 2022, and with a pop-up space currently running in Harrods, Cocardia discusses with Tom Bottomley, contributing editor, about how he's learned from his past, and what his plans are to scale the business in the future. Hi, Sash. Thanks for joining me on the podcast today. Hope all is well. Very well, thank you. Very well. Thank you for having me. Absolutely welcome. So just uh, to kick off, really, I wanted to get to know about your your background, particularly Secret Sales, which I believe was a, a first in terms of a flash um, sales website for fashion. That's right. So I was 23 when I launched Secret Sales, and it was uh, alongside my brother Nish, I was fresh out of university, not much experience, admittedly. I saw an opportunity um, within a business model that didn't exist in the UK and decided to launch that model without a huge amount of consideration. We planned and we we thought about what needed what needed to happen, but we didn't think about, you know, I guess the business scaling as quickly as it did. And, um, you know, with it being the first flash sale business in the UK, and back then, there being quite strict periods of time to which you could host the sale, it just it just worked, and it really took off uh, at a very fast rate. And you know that was a wonderful experience for me. That was ten years of sort of you know scaling a business, making lots of mistakes, but equally you know having a lot of fun along the way. And we built an incredible team, um, you know. And uh, I think we sold that business it was two thousand seventeen um, to private equity. Uh, which interestingly, um, and I mean, it's public knowledge, but we ended up buying the company back a year later and then selling it a second time 12 months after that still. So it was a, it was a, a, a whirlwind journey, so to speak. What did you think? What do you think you learned from that whole process? I mean, there's so much uh, that I, I took away. I think, you know, I was a young boy when I started that without much management experience, didn't really know. Uh, how to how to scale a business, let alone a team, uh, and the politics that would have you know coincided with that. Um, I've you know now I've launched my second business. I'm a very different leader, and you know the stuff that I've I learned at Secret Sales, I'm applying in this new business, which you know revolves more around my approach to certain decision making, my approach to hiring. Um, you know, I've got more experience now across the board, including marketing and various aspects like that. So I'm, I'm, um, like, 
difficult to, to with any precision to say, well, this was a mistake, this was a mistake. But I can assure you that over the period of, of the 10 years of us running Secret Sales, we learned by making mistakes, right? But what we were very good at is uh, rectifying those mistakes and being nimble enough to to sort of, you know, navigate, um, you know, certain areas that we didn't know. And I think part of being a CEO, entrepreneur, founder is um, is not knowing everything. I think, you know, that is part and parcel of starting a business. Like you just don't have a playbook and you've got to just navigate that and meander your way through it. And, you know, we, we were quite good at um, sort of just getting back up and, and figuring it out. So when and how did you launch the 7879 jewellery business and, and what was the original concept? Well, you know, I sold Secret Sales 2019 for the second time and was taking some, you know, time for myself. Didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I think that's quite natural, by the way, is when you spend all your life focusing on one business and all of a sudden you then start thinking about other things, you don't naturally gravitate towards anything in particular. And sometimes, uh, you know, I, I guess people can can lose themselves in in try, that search, but you know I became a chairman of a digital marketplace called Rehouse. I did some non-exec work, um, and then you know COVID came in March 2020, uh, and at that point you know everyone it changed everyone's lives. Of course, come the middle of that year, when everything is losing control, stocks and shares have gone haywire. You know traditional investment avenues. We're not performing in the way that perhaps people might have wanted. You know, I looked at gold and gold was trading through the roof. And uh, I, it never really occurred to me uh, why people don't invest in gold, at least on a more sort of wider basis. There was a lot of hype and a lot of marketing around crypto. The same thing existed around NFTs. And a lot of people lost money in both of those areas, partly because they're investing on the app or they don't really know what they're doing. And, you know, when you then compare those investment opportunities with with the likes of gold, which frankly is pretty linear, has been for like, you know, three three decades now, whilst it has peaks and troughs, it's linear. Um, you know, we don't, as a layman or as the general public, think about putting money in gold because we're not, there's, there's no marketing around it. There's no hype around it. So I, I thought about what I could do consumer facing obviously with that being my background landed on the concept after some research uh on um creating jewelry in the form of 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 bullion uh, or sorry made from bullion so essentially you know giving people the opportunity to invest in pure gold and platinum and actually let them receive it in in a form that they can enjoy and wear um you know coincidentally like none of this existed and still you know, doesn't exist outside of 7879. Most brands will sell 18 carat, which is 25% impure, or 14 carat, which is 42% impure. And and the idea really um, is to give consumers, you know, in a world of inflation and in, in a world where, you know, people want to still invest, like gold is perceived as the best place to put your money as a hedge against inflation. So the idea, idea here is, you know, give consumers the opportunity to invest into gold but for them to enjoy and wear their investment. And what we do as a business is we guarantee to buy that gold back. So you can track the value of your jewelry in real time using a personal portfolio that sits on the site. You can see literally how it works. And like it's almost identical to, uh, to you know, how stocks and shares would work and you know, the way that you would track it. 
And should you want, you don't have to, but should you want, you can sell it back to us for the prevailing price of metal. And on that basis, um, you know, there's potential upside on, on the metal value and um, it becomes a bit of a game. Like this is the first time that gamification exists within retail and our prices fluctuate in real time based on the bullion market. So, you know, you've got a real tangible asset that you can purchase. You can have have fun with it. Um, and then if you want, you can sell it back. And there's a bunch of things that really interested me about gold and platinum, by the way. One of those things, which most people don't know, by the way, but gold and platinum is not from Earth. It landed on Earth in a colossal meteor shower four billion years ago. In its rawest form, it's finite. And it's also hypoallergenic and antimicrobial. So it, it, like bacteria cannot live on the surface of my of my jewelry and so in this world where we're constantly cleaning and thinking about sort of sanitizing hands etc um you know it's it's just the perfect solution for for like everyday jewelry right and you co-founded the business with ben flowers um, right. what's his background and, and how did you meet him so ben was introduced to us by a mutual investor who was also looking at this space when we launched and um Ben uh, is is my CTO, so you know he was one of the first people that sort of you know I brought on into, into the business. And um, he, prior to working with me, was working at Boston Consultancy within their digital uh, digital ventures. So he was building lots of businesses on behalf of Boston Ventures. Um, excuse me, and he was. And has a lot of experience in sort of, you know, building startups, scaling them, and then handing them over. And it just, you know, was the perfect fit for what I needed. We needed someone who, you know, was able to understand the intricacies of this business. We're doing something that doesn't exist. The platform, you can't just, you know, take off the shelf like a, like a Shopify. You need, we needed to build it. And, the, and to understand the commercials of like scaling this effectively. And, you know, he was and is the perfect person for me. Like, I think one thing that I, you know, we spoke about like, you know, mistakes and, and learnings. One of the learnings that I've taken from Secret Sales and applied into this business was that me and Nish, my brother, neither of us were engineers or from a tech background. Yet we built what was essentially perceived as a tech business, albeit within retail. And, you know, one thing that I think I identified with 7879 was that there was a, a, a an experience that was missing within the management team and so whilst I understand it I, or you know I, I understand the commercials and as CEO my responsibility is very different to Ben's Ben you know fills that void and is the perfect balance for me in this business. So when did you actually launch and, and how did you launch? So we launched in November 21. That was the official, you know, kickoff. Prior to that, however, I built two websites on Squarespace. I started driving traffic to these websites in the form of, you know, social spend. And I, I wanted to understand uh, what customers were attracted to, like, because, you know, what we're doing didn't, like, didn't exist uh, in any form. So needed to understand, are customers interested in buying pure jewellery? Are they interested in understanding... No, the investment angle, you know, is the transparent pricing uh, of more importance. And it turned out that actually all of our USPs were sought after, but just by different demographics. The older demographics like the investment angle, the slightly younger demographics really like the transparent pricing. Um, and then, you know, we've got a sustainability angle too. And so, you know, what we found is we have a very, very broad audience, all of whom really like what we're doing. And I think, you know, fundamentally, Transparent pricing, getting giving customers a superior product for a fraction of the price, 
will always trump anything else, particularly in a world where people are, you know, struggling to uh, to pay certain bills or, you know, cost of, of living is increased, etc. So, you know, I think we are not trying to do everything. We are definitely just trying to, you know, be a jewelry brand first, but it's about the quality of products, giving customers, you know, something that is superior, that has underlying asset value, that they can track and trade, and, uh, you know, for them to pay literally 60% uh, less than what you would potentially see uh, a similar product elsewhere. So how quickly did it grow and, and, and how did you grow it? So we spent money on, you know, again, paid social, paid search. I had a lot of data from those two sites in advance. So when it came to launching, it was a matter of dialing up. You know, we were doing 130,000 uh, in, in, in one month by month five. Um, you know, month one being just shy of 20K. So, like, we were scaling pretty fast. Um, and, you know, we were on a £3 million runway within 10 months. So, you know, year one wrapped up nicely. Um, the business is, has, you know, really uh, taken, um, you know, a nice trajectory. And the plan now moving forward is to think about internationalization. We want to diversify our product offering and we want to make sure that, um, you know, we continue to spend time optimizing and uh, and improving our conversion, etc. But, you know, we feel like the foundations of the business are right. We've got the right pricing architecture. Our marketing needs to improve slightly. We'll be back for more In Conversation after this short ad break. Smash all your sales goals with Style Arcade, the world's number one fashion software. Goodbye spreadsheets. Seamlessly connect all your systems into one source of truth. So you'll know what's the go with your sales, stock, future orders, and web analytics with imagery all in one place. Now everyone can collaborate in a beautifully visual app. It's quick and easy to make smart decisions on which products are frequently purchased together, balancing your range instantly. With live tracking of your spend and margins and reordering by size, because sizing for maximum profit and minimum waste is what we do best. Whether your sales are hitting a million or a billion, join 300 teams globally and see for yourself why brands grow 74% faster when they visualize, collaborate, and automate in our app. Go from being a growing brand to a global brand today with Style Arcade. Returns are expected to cost British fashion retailers some £7 billion this year. On top of this, the waste generated by returns means the cost to the planet, as well as the retailers' bottom lines, is getting unsustainable. In our latest report that we've created with Blackman, the leading logistics partner for omnichannel commerce, we look at how you can transform returns from a profit drain to a profit driver. Download your free copy today at theindustry.fashion. And where does the actual name derive from? So... Um... 7879 are the atomic numbers for platinum and gold on the periodic table. And we went through a four-month branding process trying to understand what we were, what we wanted to be to our customers. Um, you know, how do we stand out? How do we break barriers? How do we, you know, attract a certain type of customer? Having gone through that motion, we then landed on, on 7879, um, you know, partly because we felt like it didn't sound anything like a jewellery brand. Um, and it felt, or we, you know, it drives a, an air of curiosity. You don't know what it means until, you know, unless there is a, uh, you know, a supporting slogan, you don't know what it is. And by that, you tend to um, 
you tend to drive, you know, an inquisitive customer. Furthermore, like, you know, there, there is a spiritual meaning to 78, 79, which is around a guardian angel. And, you know, in tertiary to that, um, you know, these numbers are very, very popular and lucky within certain cultures. And that for me, knowing that we were targeting, um, you know, or this business model would be familiar to certain cultures because there are cultures that invest in pure metal. It's just the Western world doesn't. Western world has been taught to invest, to buy into brand. But, you know, Japan, China, India, Korea, Pakistan, like, you know, and parts of the Middle East have been buying into precious metal for, for, for generations. So there is, uh, there was a con- there was an area around, you know, creating a brand that resonated with that, those cultures too. And how much was a turning point um, for you going forward, getting the 5.5 million in seed funding last November? I mean, we needed money to scale. This is like the, the, the typical story of wanting to grow a business and, you know, not necessarily having the bandwidth or the firepower. Um, you know, we, we're doing something that doesn't exist, which requires a bit of education. It requires a bit of testing. We're, we're, we're sort of, you know, on occasion... Um, you know, driving towards on a road and then realizing that maybe that's not the right direction. So then we reverse up and, you know, go 10 degrees to the left or whatever it may be. And eventually you find a route. And I think we're still, we're still navigating, uh, you know, the business towards a market fit that, you know, we, we, we know that customers want our product. We know that they like our product because that's clear from the reviews, but how we present that product and what else we do moving forward, we need to test, and that all that all takes money. And you know, we we were fortunate enough to be able to raise uh, that cash, and really pleased that we sort of were able to drive that forward. What do you tend to do with that money? I mean, it's all based on growth. We don't need to increase the team. Fortunately for me, I, you know, I don't need uh, to sc- scale the size of team alongside revenue. So the team can stay pretty put. We need to test our marketing messages. We need to deploy that cash accordingly and we need to find a way um you know to uh well we also need to buy gold and platinum which you know is is surprise surprise quite expensive so you know there is an element of just you know doing more of what we're doing uh and just getting better at sort of you know selling product can you sort of tell me about the process then so you buy 24 karat gold and platinum and then you effectively melt it down is that correct and then create new jewelry well yeah so the process is you know like our investors are one of the largest mining companies in the world in fact the largest platinum mining company in the world so you know we 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 source our metal directly from them um our gold is 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 recycled gold and you know the platinum is coming from an eth- from ethical mining but you know the raw material is in in the world of platinum taken from the ground. It's it's refined and purified and taken to a point where it's nine 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 nine, which is ninety nine point nine nine percent pure. We are then making the jewelry, um, you know, using only that pure metal, and then it goes through a process called work hardening, which is where the metal is compressed and, and strengthened without adding impurities. Um, those jewelry items go out to customer. You know, people would 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 use those items in whichever way they saw fit. In in the event where they wanted to return it to us, we would buy that jewelry back at the prevailing price of metal, and we would melt it down and then make something else. And so there is a circular economy that we've created, which you know, like the, the recycled gold 
made into jewelry, then comes back, gets recycled again, goes back into jewelry. So, you know, trying to minimize our carbon footprint and definitely do do right by uh, the world. So it's all brand new jewelry. It's not it's not coming from any customers um, that isn't outside of what you've created previously. No, no, it's brand new. Our designs, it's all bespoke. Everything's fresh and uh, and in perfect condition. And even when we buy back the jewelry, we don't mind what condition it's in. We care about the weight. So, you know, you could take a hammer to it and then send it back and you'll still get the same amount of money. Obviously, as a predominantly online business, how does it work on a physical retail level? Because you did the four-week pop-up in uh, Selfridges in April 2022 and you've got one currently running in Harrods. That's correct, yeah. I mean, you know, we've built a separate app which allows customers when they're purchasing in-store to lock in the price because our prices are still fluctuating. And um, they then, you know, go and and the point of sale is taking place in the, in the department store. But, you know, we are building now a strategy and a process that allows us to um, to have a, a more like permanent physical presence without the, the, the technical side, which means, you know, less fluctuating prices, but still, you know, a very affordable product uh, still made from pure platinum or pure gold. We'll be back for more In Conversation after this short ad break. I'm Tom Shearsmith, news editor at TheIndustry.Fashion, and I'm here to remind you that every day we dedicate ourselves to producing daily news, features and insights to keep our readers up to date and ahead of the curve of events changing the UK fashion market, such as breaking stories, interviews and analysis. Remember to check in every day to stay up to date. All of our content is free to view, and why not sign up for our free daily update newsletter? And who's actually designing it? We have a team uh, internally. There's 10 of us at the moment. Um, we have a dedicated jewellery designer who works very closely with me. We're looking at trends. We're looking at what's working elsewhere. And, um, you know, we're then basing our designs on what we need. There's also a, a bit of a science to how we approach design. So, we, you know, now that we've got 12 months worth of data or more, we're looking at, you know, areas, product areas that are showing high levels of profitability and conversion and then trying to steer uh, our priorities within design towards areas that we know are, are, are doing well. So like, you know, there are certain price points that are sweeter for consumer, particularly for a first-time purchase uh, than others. And so, you know, we know that if we do more products that sit within a certain price point, we're going to increase our conversion and we're going to provide uh, you know, or generate more first-time buyers, which then in turn generates more second and third-time buyers. So, you know, everything that we do within the business is data-driven and very scientific. And what are proving to be the most popular kind of items? <laughs> I think it varies. Um, you know, different customers want different things, but the, it's very it's very normal for accessible price points and the lower price points to be areas where, you know, first-time buyers come in because they're testing the water. They're trying to see the product. They want to see how it evolves. They want to uh, experience it. And then, what usually happens is a, is a large chunk of those people then repeat buy, and the average order values go up, and the lifetime value of those customers extends out. So, you know, we have customers buying four thousand pound cuffs, but we also have customers buying one hundred and fifty pound earrings. Um, you know, all of which serves a very slight, uh, a, a different sort of purpose, but. Um, our jewelry is to be worn, not put away. And you know what's really lovely about our pieces is that it's all it's all created in what we call a satin finish. So it scratches in a high gloss, and the more you wear it, the more it comes to life. And so, 
You know, we we're trying to create items that you know that embody that that approach to our design, which is like you know coming identifiably seven eight seven nine and. Um, and so we're not just going to produce things that are of a certain price point because we know they convert better. We're still creating lots of different ranges and lots of different products. And we feel like uh, diversifying and offering breadth uh, and depth is, is what customers want. And what's your biggest uh, customer base in terms of men's uh, compared to women's? It's 60% female versus male. So, yeah. you know, we've got a skew towards women, but all of our jewelry is unisex. So actually what's really nice to see is you've got men and women buying the same product um, and the fact that it's sustainable, packaging is sustainable, you know, we're, we're trying to do right in terms of being neutral and, um, you know, it's it's a modern brand for modern times. Okay, and you launched the uh, Harrods pop-up in November last year um, yeah. and it's running until, is it the end of February? It was meant to be middle of Jan, but now it's the end of Feb, uh, which we're really pleased about. The guys at Harrods extended our pop-up because we were doing so well. And, you know, really nice to be where we are. We we're in the luxury jewelry section on the first floor, you know, adjacent to some wonderful brands around us and uh, a lovely experience, um, you know, being in store and very grateful to, to Harrods and everyone else. Uh, it's It's been, it's just been, you know, like a lovely uh, thing for, you know, like a stamp of approval almost within the first year of launch to have that pat on the back or that assurity that, you know, we're, we're a brand that people want to see and, you know, we, they, they're coming in store and buying specifically from us. So it's just, it's just really nice. And also to get to meet the customers and uh, to have a conversation with people who are, uh, you know, learning about the brand for the first time. Uh, it's a wonderful thing, particularly to understand what, what USPs they're moving towards and what, what they're attracted to. And I guess you're already thinking ahead to the next possible uh, physical retail venture. Well, you know, we definitely want a permanent place in both of those department stores, but we, we are thinking about, you know, where else can we put our product? And, um, you know, that includes digital outlets as well as physical bricks and mortar. So just exploring what that means. Okay. And what else? What What's next to, to grow the business this year? What What are the next steps? Um, well, we, we, we want to go international. We want to do that quite quickly. Um, you know, getting into store and getting into digital outlets is going to be a key focus in the first six months of this year. We've got a new product development roadmap, so we're going to be launching product every six to eight weeks. Um, and equally, um, you know, there is a need to think about scaling and what does the next round of, of business need to look like and things like that. So, um, you know, I'm excited with where it's headed and, and what's happening. And, um, you know, it feels like the business is moving. And I guess the UK is your strongest market, but what would be uh, other emerging markets that you can see you doing well in? Well, this is the thing, is that this pro this project and this business will immediately appeal to cultures that are already investing into precious metal. So arguably going into Japan, China, India, Korea, uh, etc., would be a very low-hanging fruit. But, argue, but we also, on the flip side, feel like going into the States and perhaps Europe uh, would be an interesting area for us. So we're, we're going to be exploring both. But, you know, trying to, like, deliver uh, from the UK is, is you know, the only way that we're going to be able to test this. And once we gather the data, we'll then be able to create localised distribu distribution centres. Is a standalone uh, 7879 store 
possibly on the cards? Potentially. I, I mean, the thing is, is that the world is in a very funny place. Customers are behaving in a very, you know, bizarre pattern. Like there isn't a huge amount of loyalty anymore. Um, you know, bricks and mortar has had a renowned impact on on certain businesses, some in a very detrimental manner. And, uh, you know, any decision that we make to go and have a physical store would require uh, a huge amount of, you know, um, we like we, we would need to be very confident that that was the right thing to do. At this stage, we have no plans to have uh, our standalone mono store. Fair enough. Listen, Sash, thanks very much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure hearing about the new business. Thank you very much. Really, like It was really nice to be here. Appreciate you. If this fashion leader's story inspired you, why not head over to our website at theindustry.fashion or find us on your favourite podcast platform where you can hear from many more leading industry figures. Don't forget to subscribe so you can be sure that you never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, please do leave us a review or rating. If you would like to suggest names that you would like to hear on the podcast, feel free to drop us a line at press at theindustry.fashion and remember to visit www.theindustry.fashion for your daily fashion fix and to sign up for our free daily update newsletter.